0: Hey, thanks for listening to Suicide Buddies. This is a podcast where we talk a lot about suicide, suicidal thoughts, and depression, and joke around about those things because we're comedians who have dealt with those things. So we like to have fun talking about it, and we hope that helps you. But we're not joking around because we take those things lightly. We just want to establish that right up top. So if you're dealing with suicidal thoughts right now, and especially if you're feeling yourself close to suicide, first of all, know There is no part of us that ever encourages it. Please stay safe. And if you are feeling that, we want you to reach out right now and call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're so helpful. They will talk to you whenever, wherever. They really are just a great ear when you need someone to talk to. So please call if you need it. And otherwise, enjoy the show. You know just Fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, fart, turd, and twat. Whoa. Yeah. Is that
1: George Carlin's band? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Who was that? That was great. Oh, you know what that was, Hampton. Don't fuck with me. Blink-180 Jew? That was... The I, Zionist punk was, band? I think that was spot on. Yeah. A, a shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, fart, turd, and twat. Kill Palestine. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, Blink-182 had that dumb song Family Reunion, yeah It was good at the time I was such a huge Blink-182 fan That I found out about that song And that it was only a radio single They literally Hmm. printed it as a radio only I think to send to radio stations Be like, ha ha, you can't even play this (laughs) Yeah, we're running down the streets
1: naked. We're so fucking crazy.
0: We ask 14-year-olds to show their boobs. (laughs) We're we're awesome. Man, George
1: Carlin's my favorite punk rock.
0: Man, yeah, dude. So cool. I don't know, man. When I found out that George Carlin stole the seven dirty words bit from (laughs) Blink-182... is when I really stopped liking Uh, his stand-up. I hate comedy theft. That's my my least favorite form of art. Honestly, I think they wrote it independently of each other. If you've ever
1: said a joke that you didn't write yourself, you're a fucking coward.
0: Yeah, exactly. I hope you die. (laughs) Yeah, you're a coward and you're a fucking... (laughs) You're a turncoat. You're a Benedict Arnold. You Yeah, you turned your back on comedy. You spat in the face (laughs) of... uh, What's his name? For the fucking guy who created it <laughs> Lenny Bruce oh there it is <laughs> I thought you were
1: gonna say Marvelous Miss Maisel I yeah, think yeah. she created <laughs> comedy yeah uh, I
0: agree that uh but the- she stole creating comedy from <laughs> Lenny Bruce <laughs> Yeah. Personally, I think Moms Mabley started it all. Um, <laughs> Who was the first funny, it's funny That was just a bunch of references. If you don't know those references, you don't know what the fuck we're talking <laughs> about right now.
1: All right, I got a way to get it back on board. Okay, um,
0: I went to the doctor. Mm-hmm. He told me I had big balls. <laughs> big balls. I'm scared, Dave. I- Big balls. There is so much of entertainment for years and years and years that was just them saying dirty words. That's all. Yeah. They were like, "Can that you was believe this, dude?" Yeah, I got a penis. It was... It's a phallus. Is it, th- and I got no malice. <laughs> Malice Fallist by ACDC is my favorite song. And the fact that no band ever dared to conquer the pee hole
1: (laughs) as as a reference. They talk about the balls. They talk about the shaft. They talk about their veins. No one's going, I got a pee hole. There's a little hole where the piss comes out.
0: And no one talks about the O ring. (laughs) It's like. Wait, what's the O ring? The O ring is like the muscle around your butthole, dude, and it can fucking. I don't have any muscles around my
1: butthole. Not anymore. (laughs) Is it because I'm weak? Is it because I'm a wimp? Yeah, dude, it's because you're a coward. I can't can't
0: believe I haven't been working out my ass muscles. Anyway, I was such a big Blink One Eight Two fan that I ordered a copy of Family Reunion off Mm -hmm. eBay. Whoa, and I still that have takes it. Me back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> eBay is not around anymore. Yeah, man, more like the past, Bay. <laughs> right? No, <laughs> no, okay. No.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I liked mm. it. I, I, I was always scared of Blink One Eighty Two at the time. Scared. Yeah, it just I was like, oh, they got a porn star on the cover, and it seems really—that's uh, not Catholic. Seems really dirty. Yeah, it wasn't Catholic. Yeah, at the it's
0: time. not. It's not good Christian fun. <laughs> I don't know fun. what my
1: values were at the time. That's very really
0: <laughs> odd. You're a weird my va- guy. My
1: values have always been very all. all <laughs> over Especially
0: place. in the song, two of the dirty words they sing are "fart" and "turd." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, who can't? Who ever couldn't say "fart"? <laughs> the president <laughs> <laughs> up until recently Dave That's I mean true. finally we That's have a true. president
1: who has the balls to yeah. say fart and turd and call his, his opponents farts and turds
0: <laughs>
1: finally we have a president with
0: big balls <laughs>
1: I feel like everything Trump says is ACDC lyrics at the time <laughs> we're gonna him up with the big send them overseas with the bombs. <laughs> oh my god. I, actually, I hope Trump goes even further, dude. I hope he not only deports them, then he puts them in cages. So they have to be in cages in their own country. <laughs> that's the that's the kind of conservatism I'm into. Wow.
0: Oh my god. Uh, this is suicide, buddies, guys. Donald Trump is Bon Scott. More like Bonald Trump. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. You're back into shape. Yeah, man. I'm pretty good at stand-up. Dave's getting into the groove. Welcome to Suicide Buddies, everybody. You're listening to it. Every- everybody's? Everybody's. All right, Dave. Uh, here we go.
1: Uh, fav- favorite uh, fast food uh, item. Uh,
0: I'll go first. Taco Bell, uh, steak taco. <laughs> I love that you pointed at me and said, All right, Dave. Dave. As if you're going to answer and then you answered. <laughs> <laughs> this I, love, is, I would just want to see a I 60 got, minutes interview. I got Dave <laughs> in the situation room. I got Dave in the hot chair. Hey, Here we go. Okay, why? Wh- oh, oh, talking to a Catholic priest, why yeah. did you molest those teenagers? I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go first. (laughs) Me, Leslie Stahl, I'll go first. Uh, I wanted to, okay. (laughs) It's a
1: subtle way to make people feel comfortable in questioning. You answer the question yourself, and then it gives them time to think.
0: What's your name? I'll go first, Canton Young.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah you can <laughs>
0: <There> you <go. laughs> hey nice to meet you what's your name i'll go first will you have sex um, with me my answer yes taco bell what now <laughs> what was the thing you that uh, i
1: just wanted to make a dumb question uh i was just thinking that honestly i think my favorite fast food item is the taco bell steak taco oh okay is, I think they're discontinuing oh just making no me very upset.
0: that's awful i
1: hate i i know i'm in you mourning. Did.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I, I broke up with my
1: girlfriend. <laughs> I broke up with my family.
0: Whoa. I quit my job. <laughs> Damn. Well, I hope the steak taco doesn't go away then.
1: <laughs> no, it's going away.
0: What I'm uh, yeah, but if it comes back, then you'll get all those people back in your life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing a letter writing campaign to talk about right now. Man, you should forward. tell
0: Trump, the president. <laughs> Dave, tell we can't him. mention Trump every day. Joke? (laughs) No, that's every joke. That's true. God, shit! I'm such a fucking hack, um, dude. I know my favorite fast food item. It's the jalapeno poppers at Jack in the Box. Oh my god, really? Oh yeah, they are good. They're so good. (laughs) Little Ranch, buttermilk house sauce. Actually, that's what they call it. House sauce. Uh, Buttermilk house sauce. Hey, what's? uh, Wow, that sounds good to say. You have Jack off in the box. House sauce. So let me get
1: it straight. You jack off in a box?
0: No, I jack on the box.
1: That's just a West Coast thing, right? Like they don't have. Jacking on the box. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. We jack on here on the uh, West Coast.
1: Jack in the box. That's it's
0: it's West Coast, right? Like they don't have it on the East Coast. They're slowly making their way east. Okay. Yeah, man. I think they made their way to like Kansas now. Yeah, dude, Jack. Jack's working on it. Like a virus that's spreading. Yeah, like the fucking human race.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Come with it now. Dave's getting political. The human race—they're like a virus. I don't know if you've ever noticed, human beings—they're like germs.
0: Dude, have you ever gone to the top of the Empire State Building and looked down and just been like, "Look at all these sheep. Look at all these sheep. Look at all these fucking ants."
1: My safe. My safe space is. uh, (laughs) <laughs> I say space is hot topic, dude. And when I go in there, I look at the rest of them all and I go,
0: look at all the sheeple outside of here. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, I look out the fucking front window and I just point at people and I say, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, yeah. sucker, motherfucker. And I, then hug I point a, at myself and I'm like, fart. Yeah, I, I hug a Stewie Griffin dressed as Scarface t-shirt <laughs> yeah. and I just look at the rest of them all and go, look at all these germs, <laughs> yeah. these sheeple. Yeah, you wouldn't even know a Hello Kitty backpack if you saw one, I do.
1: You re- fuck. I do remember that <laughs> sensation when you grow up and the first time mm-hmm. you start to get,
0: like you, you go up
1: a skyscraper or something and you look down or you're on a plane and you're mm-hmm. like, they are all ants. Like you ever yes, had that absolutely. dumb, that oh, dumb yeah. fucking
0: childish I had a conversation with my college roommate looking out of our, we lived at like the f- uh, 15th floor of this uh, apartment building in downtown LA and we could like see the 110 <laughs> and we saw gridlock traffic and we were just like, man, we're never going to be a part of that fucking. <laughs> I think it's
1: always funny to like
0: look at like a photo of earth and be like, and look at all these people fucking. <laughs>
1: At any given point You look at oh, dude, and Just tons
0: of, of people so many Are times. fucking and sucking On that planet right now Dude At this exact <laughs> moment Right now How many people Do you think are coming <laughs> And then I saw Amelie And I was like Oh everyone thinks this <laughs> <laughs> That's like a whole part of Amelie Yeah um, I
1: never watched that
0: Oh you should dude It's super I saw French the, I saw the poster I got it <laughs> Yeah
1: totally I saw the, the poster movie of The basically is a poster Yeah I saw the poster of Amelie And I got the whole thing. <laughs> <Yeah, movie. laughs> <laughs> totally you want to blow your mind? Rotch run, Lolo, run, dude.
0: Dude, that's experimental film. I made this movie called Run, Amelie, Run. <laughs> it's a girl running away from never having to come. Or yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just a documentary about croissants. <laughs> <laughs> Hampton, you're recording an album. Thank you. Why you're are you shouting at me? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Fucking like get snack. on board with your own shit. That's
1: right. If you're in Chicago, guess what? I'm at the uh, Lincoln Lodge. Uh, I ain't been to Lincoln Lodge. Who even cares? We're not doing this bit again. <laughs> <laughs> August 31st and September 1st in Chicago. It's uh, the Under the Gun Theater. And please come out, guys. Uh, tickets are on sale. And I'm really hoping to get some people to come out. I actually heard that it might be a little bit of a slump. So, what might be a slump? Like they say, the summer is kind of a low turnout, actually. Oh. Which is weird because I always thought summer was really like a good turnout. Uh, yeah, when I started out in DC, it was and it was always good. And then in LA, no one can ever tell because it's all it's always summer. It's
0: always it's always summer in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> Hot riff, <laughs> yeah. thanks, man. It's always summer in Philadelphia. Yeah. Lo- what? And I'll be. What's a riff about that? <laughs> <laughs> my question, exactly. That's the name of my other podcast. What's the um, riff about that?
1: But uh, I can't wait to record this album. And you know what, Dave? I'm gonna I'm gonna call it right here. Probably the last comedy thing I ever do. Really, you're gonna so quit? Please come out. Is August that because of this
0: steak taco? It's because it's steak taco. Yeah, man. The that fact sucks. that that's
1: gone is like I mean, it's a chapter of my life is now finished. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like if you were to write the book of my life,
0: and I will. <laughs> yeah, and I know you're writing it. So like, <laughs> yeah. Booked to <and> nyunt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're off the project. You're
0: already you don't like the name Aw man we have fought over (laughs) this this title for months (laughs) fine yeah i'll call it book taco uh first
1: line of the book uh i was born and i started remembering everything yeah start
0: from there but it's written by me so why would i say that
1: (laughs) i don't know you're you're a good writer
0: (laughs) oh thank you You well that's a nice compliment you can imagine me (laughs) yeah I'm Hampton. Imagine I'm Hampton. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah, go really to Chicago at some point.
1: Yeah, August 31st, <laughs> September 1st. Both uh, shows at 8 o'clock. Uh, and since
0: shows are a slump in the summer, you should buy your tickets, and buy help. tickets.
1: Buy tickets for people you don't even know. Get them to come Buy out. tickets
0: and don't even go to it. Yeah,
1: I don't care. <laughs> I just want
0: the money. I just
1: want the money, not, not the shit. audio for the <laughs> album recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this will uh, be fun. I can't wait to get rid of uh, material. Don't say, stop saying that. You You say say that every time. You think it's a negative. I think it's great.
0: I don't think it's a negative, but I think it sounds like a negative.
1: Oh, I don't hate it at all. I don't hate the material. I love it. But I'm like so excited to start like, I like to like shape an album or or like an hour in a certain way. And then it's like when it's all gone, it's then it's like, well, what's the new hour
0: going to be? Like, it's fun. What is it going to be? (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's mostly about you Comedy's hard. it's mostly about you being a piece of shit
0: <laughs> oh god you take so many things personally from me lately I'm just having fun and you're no, like
1: Dave you're I'm telling know? you that's what the album's gonna be why are you you asked
0: huh <laughs> I I actually don't think I did ask damn it <laughs> you're right yeah man <laughs> you piece of <laughs> shit. shit! Jesus Christ! Wait, man. let me crack open this. You know, someone wrote me and was like, "I'm sorry, Hampton's being so mean to you." Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably my mom. <laughs> Why would your mom? Because she
1: likes you more than me.
0: Oh, that makes sense. My mom
1: likes you more than me.
0: I am great. I'm gonna crack uh, this have fun blue- opening. That I'm trying Gatorade. to open a blue
1: Gatorade I'm without trying to open a Gatorade spilling it all over your bed. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I drink the blue Gatorade to mm-hmm. calm down, and I drink the red to amp
0: up. I, well, I drink the white Powerade to fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, dude, man. somebody sent us a picture of them drinking white Powerade after a joke we did on a previous episode. So cool.
1: I love our fans. <laughs> yeah, they're so awesome. Thank you guys so much Very for fun. sending
0: shit in. Oh, man. The, like, yeah, the, I keep thinking about the. Um, Fat Birds in the Snow DVD cover. <laughs> God, man, I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, somebody sent us a Princess uh, Diana beanie
1: baby with Suicide Buddies written it's on it. So funny. Which I think we could make market.
0: Absolutely.
1: If audience people uh, still,
0: we there are still yeah. beanie baby people.
1: Yeah, if you guys don't, suicide babies. don't want a f- feelings T-shirt, uh, feel free to wait for us to. Hand make beanie babies But why would you not want A suicide buddy's
0: feelings t Why
1: would you not want to have to explain this To all of your loved ones
0: Why would you not want a shirt that doesn't say the name of the podcast On it That, that shirt's still up Dude PeaceSpring.com slash suicide buddies dash feelings. Nice. Right? Nice promo. Fuck you yeah, dude. <laughs> we should get into this shit, man. Yeah, this dude, fucker. you seem dude. to be
1: doing a ton of research, so I would love to know what this is going to be. Who are we doing t- uh,
0: this week? His name's Kevin Carter. Kevin Costner? It's Aaron Carter. <laughs> it's imagine House Kevin Car- Costner <laughs> fucked Aaron House Carter. House of Carters? Go. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Carter? <laughs> um, Aaron's party. Dancing with wolves, you know that dude? The guy who, like, danced with his four dude, friends for wolves? I, I, I feel <laughs> really bad, actually, about Aaron Carter. About how you called me a piece of shit a minute ago? Yes, you fucking always. dick. Of course. <laughs> um,
1: but uh, Aaron Carter, like, one time I was working on a show that was, like, a really bad sketch show that Shaq had <laughs> for no reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like... we just out of nowhere were kind of like shitting on Aaron Carter and then we like made it a sketch Uh where we were like what if we really got Aaron Carter and like because one of his music videos was How He Beat Shaq it was Aaron Carter as a kid being like and that's how it beat Shaq and Uh it was all this music video where he's like playing basketball against Shaq and we're like what if we got him back and then Shaq's just like you know killing him on the court now and then we got Aaron Carter and he was like so methed out we were like oh we feel terrible like the whole bit was like, Aaron's like on Skid Row. And then he really was like, Whoa. <laughs> like really fucked up.
0: More like scaring Carter. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I really am just bad at comedy. No, dude, you're the best. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're really great. You should record an album, man. I'm going to. I got the date at the Echo. In August thirty first and September first in yeah, Chicago. In Chicago, <laughs> yeah. Actually, they told me that the summer is great for ticket sales.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so funny. No, no f- where the Echo? At the Echo in L.A. in February. More details to come. That's great, dude. There's, That's a great. Venue. We got some months. That's yeah. So oh man. Fun, man, I'm so excited. It's like my favorite. It's like my favorite venue in really? L.A. Oh yeah, dude. I've been going to see shows at the Echo. I saw V.O.C.s open for. Uh, Jay Retard, right before he died. You watched The OC in Laguna Beach? Yeah, dude, I watched The OC at the Echo, <laughs> and I was like, "This show rules! I should do an album."
1: <laughs> We've been having fun driving in the sun, driving so, down the one hundred and one.
0: So this guy's name is Kevin Carter, and uh, yeah, I'll tell you about him. <laughs> That's a good intro. Thanks, All right, dude. we'll be back. does matter what they say, cause I'm gonna get
1: my way if I don't wanna go. Oh yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> It is funny how much of our culture is just based around Trying to be awesome. <laughs> I fucking hate it, man. Autrosh, dude. This dude got famous, and then his friends, they all run around, and they try to fuck girls, dude. It's fucking crazy. You know what I think the, sh- <laughs> the
1: shift was? When we just couldn't call them Ranch Doritos, we had to call them Cool Ranch. You
0: remember that period of time? Cool? They're not cool. When it was Cooler Ranch? <laughs> it was Cooler oh, Ranch. Is that you can put ice cubes in your ranch? And Nacho Cheesier and then they switched back, and they were like, why did we do that? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever get the uh, the Doritos was putting out, like, secret flavors for a while? There was one called, like, X13, and you were supposed to guess what the flavor was. was MS13. MS13, <laughs> yeah, totally. All the Doritos are like, tatted up. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah. It tasted like bullets. <laughs> I don't know if you heard anything about MS13, but no, they're I fucking murderers, they <laughs> Yeah, and it was... Secret I, it was, flavors? Yeah. X13 was the one I got, and it was just cheeseburger. It was definitely Ugh. a cheeseburger. It was <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Yeah, uh,
1: dude. They just discontinued their only vegan flavor, Doritos. Really? Which was, I think it
0: was. This- was it called, like, fucking Cowardice?
1: I think it's called Sweet Chili. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet oh. chili. Uh, and they it was their only vegan flavor and they got rid of it for the new Blaze. <laughs> Blaze. This is the fucking problem, dude. <laughs> Come with it now. Oh, these
0: Doritos are too cool. I love that it- motherfuckers in the government. I love flavors that are not flavors. Like Blaze, like I dude, I was like in the fucking Age. grocery store the other day and there was a deodorant with a scent, and the scent was extreme blast. <laughs> I was like, what does that smell yeah. like? One time I used a shampoo that was called Scorpion. <laughs> yeah, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Yeah. yeah. My soap flavor is fuck you. <laughs> wow, you really smell like fuck you. <laughs> smells good, dude. It smells like fucking new car smell. <laughs> Wolf. <laughs> I, like to, I like the idea of uh, scrubbing yourself with something that smells like a new car. <laughs>
1: Eagle's taint. Yeah. I'm- oh, yeah. Bitch, you better fuck me!
0: I don't know if you knew this, but (laughs) Eagles have big balls. Uh, I'm not doing it. And the (laughs) Falcons have big balls. (laughs) I refuse. Um, all right, Kevin Carter. So, okay, Kevin Carter was a photojournalist from South Africa, and the thing he's most famous for is this photo called The Vulture and the Little Girl. Do you oh remember Oh, my God, this? yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, want to paint a picture of... without. Uh, yeah, so he thing? took this photo, and I'll talk about it at length. Use 1,000
1: um, words. Do you know, pictures with 1,000 words? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, okay, I will use Only exactly 1,000 words. Not, not any other. No more no less.
1: <laughs> Um less. It's a famous photo, and it's very tragic.
0: Yeah, I mean, like... Uh, ramping up to apartheid ending, there was all sorts of civil war in South Africa, and it was bleeding into the surrounding countries. And Sudan, as a result, was like just decimated by famine. And so, there because like the revolution, the revolutions were pouring over into there. So we went into Sudan wow. to cover the famine, and uh, he came across this little girl. Um, who was like trying to get to a UN feeding center and was just so fucking famine stricken and couldn't move. And so the photo is of her like crouched on the ground with her head and torso between her legs and literally a vulture waiting behind her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Austin so seemingly trying, waiting for her to die to eat her. And it's um, truly
1: one of those photos that I think drew up a lot of controversy because people were like, is this like um, exploitive
0: in the sense right. of like you you see you know like why didn't you help you're the right girl? There. Yeah, What's yeah. fucked up is that he did help the girl. Yeah, he just no, waited. And
1: clearly, he did. And, you know, and it's the <laughs> and she lived of the photo. for like
0: fifteen more years. And it's
1: more like he's trying to. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so not that very long.
0: It's not that very long. Uh,
1: and then, uh, but yeah, it's he's using kind of art in kind of a um, journalistic way. You know, it's weird because it crosses that line right? where people are like, what is the message you're trying to make with this photo sort
0: of thing? Well, that's like a really good point, man. And it has a lot to do um, with his suicide. It really does. So, yeah, he was born September 13th, 1960. And it was like, um, I believe the day the... ANC was banned from South Africa or something. ANC, the African National Congress, which ended up having it was like Nelson Mandela's group. right? Yeah, uh, yeah. they were, you know what overthrew apartheid or got rid of apartheid. So born 1960, then when he was 33 years old, July 27, 1994, he grew up in this uh, in this white suburban neighborhood in apartheid South Africa called Parkmore. Oh, wow. Um, and so in July of 1994, he drove back to his neighborhood uh, in his red truck up to this river that he used to play in and uh, took a garden hose and, you know, attached it from his exhaust pipe, pipe. into his the cab of his truck, closed the windows, oh, wow. and died.
1: I, wow. I uh, First time I saw that was in that movie The Client. Oh, yeah. The guy uh, tries to kill
0: himself. And I was like, that is brilliant, dude. <laughs> like, right. I was like, that, yeah. is, that
1: is easily Whoa. the easiest way to kill yourself. Right. You just need a hose.
0: I Yes, totally. I remember the first time I heard of this type of suicide, I was like, wait, you can just do that? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to, like, buy a gun or pills. I or- know. Every time someone's <laughs>
1: like, I oh, just when we were talking to Steve and we were like, how would you kill yourself? And he was like, a gun. I was like, that's always so violent. Like, you know, you just need a hose.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can buy a hose at Home Depot. I I'm hate. Not, I'm dude, not advocating. First of all, I hate what I just said. <laughs> I'm literally saying you can just buy a hose, dude. So easy, dude. <laughs> it's so easy. Don't do it. You, okay, whoever you so are, I'm who heard what, that and actually, got excited, don't fucking do it. I love you. you. Here's here's the easiest. way. Did you hear me to, say we love you? We
1: love you. Here's the easiest way to kill yourself. Just hold your breath, dude. Yeah, fucking hold your breath.
0: Die, dude. <laughs> I honestly Absolute thank you. Easiest way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, here's the no, honestly, all right, no, I see where we're going with this. Close your nose. The absolute (laughs) easiest way to commit suicide is to uh, just wait until eventually you die of old age.
1: (laughs) Dude, that's the sickest suicide. (laughs) People are like looking at an old man, be like, wow, he was so fucked up.
0: Wow, dude,
1: gone too soon. (laughs) Easiest way to kill yourself Slow your heart down till it stops
0: Yeah dude Just, just like try to uh, yeah. Engage in loving relationships Throughout your life Know that you are loved And uh, eventually You're gonna die anyway So fucking <laughs> Who cares dude That uh, might be The most helpful <laughs> advice <laughs> Yeah, yeah right? seriously Like if you're thinking About suicide Just remember, You will die Yeah just remember yeah, Just so you know You're gonna die So you don't have to Do it yourself Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Wow. wow, that could be like extreme comfort for um, for an incredibly depressed person.
1: Sometimes I did consider that. I'm just like, what am I? What am I doing? I'm going to just die. I got all these emails to answer. Why am I doing this first? <laughs> <laughs> well, getting back um, uh, to Aaron Carter, um, yeah, Kevin and, House and House of Carters, uh, apartheid was basically like just still like civil rights that had not caught up yet. Like it was like literally South Africa was going through what America
0: had gone through. Right. But kind of on a worse scale. Yeah, because it was modern modern, day, it was modern day institutionalized racism, um, which is, which is interesting. Like, it almost makes sense to me that apartheid was the way it was up to the 90s because in order for institutionalized racism to last that long Mm -hmm. in a world that had turned its back on it and was trying to integrate is to make it law. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like extreme like black people had to carry passbooks. I mean, most people listening know this. Yeah. Actually, Kevin Carter said that when he was he said in some interviews when he was a kid in this white suburban apartheid accepting neighborhood. It was an English neighborhood. His parents were English immigrants and they were Catholics. So they weren't Afrikaners. Wow. And the country was run by white Afrikaners which were Dutch white people yeah, yeah. who had taken over South Africa it's so um, weird the way they talk it's, very, so it's still weird.
1: Dutch yeah, yeah yeah it's very blick.
0: he's blick that's how it <laughs> sounds very weird or he's a black. Um, guy. <laughs> yeah it sounds sort of Australian yeah. but like a little even more thin yeah it's I, even I more tried thin. to
1: make a joke mm-hmm. at one point that it's like they're the perfect intersection between England and Australia it's that
0: weird like that intersection yeah. of language yeah. you know yeah uh, we don't we don't even try to open our mouth <laughs> Um, that's not even how it's Well, like
1: Elon Musk, he's like, you know, everyone here is a robot, right? And I want to—everyone in the audience that I'm talking to right now is a robot, and I want to send all of you robots into space with the car. I, I want all of the robots to have cars <laughs> in space. I
0: only eat fruit. <laughs> I only eat fruit. <laughs> that's why people hate him. So he grew up in this in this um, white neighborhood called. Park Moore, that was an English neighborhood. His, his parents were English, and they would literally see uh, like black people trying to live in their neighborhood illegally, and they wouldn't report them. Hmm. But then they would see the cops walk up to these black people and be like, "Show me your passbook." Wow! And they wouldn't have a passbook for the neighborhood, and then would see them get arrested. And uh damn, dude, this was yeah. Chappie. <laughs> wow! <laughs>
1: <laughs> this was District Nine, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they were all bugs. Do you think those movies are about racism? Prunts. <laughs> yeah, watch the movie. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just make a movie about apartheid. You don't <laughs> have to <laughs> be like, black people are like bugs. <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> That's the uh, only way I can relate. Prunts. They're all so Still a good movie, though. He, Kevin Carter apparently loved his parents, but he talked about in an interview how he flipped out on his parents once when he was a kid wow. and was like why didn't you say anything to the cops why are we sitting here doing nothing we yeah. should have at least yelled at the fucking cops wow come with it now yeah totally I
1: mean, honestly he sounds cool that's dude this that's guy awesome.
0: was a badass the first thing so when he was a teenager he got really into dr- riding motorcycles and told everyone he wanted to be a race car driver <laughs> that was cool he was just a dude who was into badass shit basically nice. that's um, a lot of photographers honestly right yeah they tend to be like
1: very very talented in like multiple fields. And then they kind of focus then on photography. Yeah, it's a
0: crazy lifestyle. You're like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go into the most fucked mm-hmm. up places with my camera and stand there with them and be like, no, 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 I just do it. Yeah, yeah. Just do
1: it. Just, just shoot each other. Just do it. <laughs> and it's like a lot of like <laughs> training, technical, you
0: know, like Hiding, aspects. and <laughs> running from cops. Totally. I, I like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. So um, that's what he did as a teenager. He um, went to college to become a pharmacist and then dropped out because of bad grades. Okay. And then he was drafted into the army and he didn't want to go drafted. Yeah. He didn't want to fight uh, like in the army. So he joined the Air Force. And so then while he was in the Air Force, one time in the mess hall, um, there was a black waiter that like most of the people in the Air Force, most of the white people in South Africa were Afrikaners. And they just their culture was they hated black people. They accept they liked apartheid. So, yeah. well, not all of them probably, but yeah, it was significant. Um, yeah. it, right. So, um, they were like fucking with a black waiter, and apparently, this like teenager he stands up and he's like, "Hey, leave that guy alone!" And then all of the white Afrikaners there just beat the shit out of him. Holy In this, yeah, just beat the shit out of him. So, he, right then and there, yeah.
1: Holy fuck. And no
0: one cared. Like, they were, like, fucked. And they were calling him... I'm not going to yeah, say the yeah, word, yeah, yeah. but they were calling him things. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Um, like, nerd. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spaz. Like, awesome. <laughs> like, like, you're cool. Blaze. We love you. <laughs> yeah. X13. Yeah. MS13. All the cool flavors. Donald Trump. God damn. You MS13 lover? Um, So... So after that, he went AWOL from the military. Literally, Tight, dude. Yeah. This
1: guy is fucking, He's fucking sick.
0: So he goes AWOL from the military. I love this guy. Rides a motorcycle to a city called Durban. Starts yeah. calling himself David Popped and tries a wheelie to, the whole way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally changes his name to David and tries to become a radio DJ.
1: Fuck yeah! yeah. Howard Stern is this guy?
0: Actually, it was me. So <laughs> you were waiting on that On David. That's dude. so
1: fucking cool, man.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and apparently that was like too hard to do to just yeah. become a radio DJ. Yeah. So he was like, fuck, um, all right, I'll just go back and serve the rest of my time in the military so that doesn't hang over me the rest of my life. You
1: can just go back? Yeah. You don't have to go to like military prison for a bit?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the details
1: on that. Wow, they must have been loose. <laughs> yeah. I think oh, they were like, Yeah, you're white. Oh, that being a, being a DJ didn't <laughs> work out. Oh, yes, being a DJ didn't Legend work out. you on the again. radio. Right. Well, at least you're you not a black good. fella. At least you're not, you not a black fella. I guess you can come back.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not black. So everything, all white, all right. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably, they were like, Hey, fuck you, but you're white. <laughs> I'm. But I would imagine that. I certain... kind of imagine. It's yeah. pretty
1: interesting, also, in this time when Nelson Mandela like came back and you know out of prison gets elected. Uh, the culture of white people were very terrified that it was like going to be like reverse, like oh, oh shit, all the bad shit we've been doing for forever is now going to happen to us. And it's so funny that they never even thought of that.
0: Yeah, for decades. <laughs> They just were that. oh, now we should be terrified. Oh, I just realized how shitty I've been. <laughs> Dude, I know. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Someone's saying, I love, man, The have you, have you ever read any of the transcripts of war, like Nazis apologizing? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I didn't really think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was just you doing it. I was
1: being weird I just had like a weird You know, time there I've been
0: thinking about it And Jews are people And I'm just so Oh, I'm so sad Um, Okay, I was wrong (laughs) Egg on my face Egg on my my face face. (laughs) (laughs) I am so sorry I murdered those people Millions (laughs) Wow, too many (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, uh so, so while I'm, he uh was back in the military at one point in 18 uh, I'm sorry, 1983, he was standing guard in Pretoria at some uh fort or citadel or whatever and there was like a militant side of the ANC that basically started carrying out terrorist acts mm. against the National Party, mm. which was the party that ruled South right. Africa, the white Afrikaner party. Yeah. This is um, going to happen, this is sort of oppressive system. You're going to get like homeland terrorism. Basically. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a negative connotation to that word terror, but they were freedom fighters who were attacking. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I don't want
1: to be a Che Guevara tweet here or anything, but uh, right. they're very so, similar.
0: He just like watched the Church Street bombing happen, and it made him decide to get into journalism. Wow. That's the like the very easy version of the story. So the wow. funny, wow. so the funny thing is that after that, he like the first job he gets is as a sports photographer. Um, cool. Right after he's like, I saw this bombing. I want to be a photographer, and then he gets into <laughs> sports.
1: Well, I, um, I think the thing is also I I believe sports is generally something that's easier to get into. Like, when they give you assignments, it's like, well, this is more just fun. Right. Go cover fun. Right. You know, this isn't like, we need the serious news, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, so pretty quickly he moved from that into he uh, to the Johannesburg Star, which is their big newspaper, and started covering apartheid. Whoa, um,
1: whoa, big level up. Yeah. So I guess he really proved himself and
0: he's doing Yeah, good, I mean, if you look through this guy's history, I mean, he won a Pulitzer for that, that vulture photo. Yeah. Um, and he... He like so that was in 1984 I believe he moved to the Johannesburg Star and then he died in 1997 so in the span uh no uh, right N- 1994 so in the span of 10 years he won a pulitzer wow. he i mean this guy he like once he joined the Johannesburg Star the revolution in South Africa was ramping up hardcore. And then by 1990, there's civil war literally between different factions of the people revolting of the black people revolting against apartheid yeah. also. Holy so shit. black people are killing each other over disagreements about the revolution. Yeah. And they're also all trying to end apartheid. I mean, there's just murder and death and famine everywhere while there's institutionalized racism. So he, he joins, he joins, uh, he becomes a photojournalist at the Johannesburg Star and starts covering all of this. Uh, is immediately in the fray and is immediately the best at it. The <laughs> problem was that it was dangerous as all fuck. Like one of the things that he covered, he was the he was one of the first people to cover a thing called necklacing, which I had to look up as a result of this. Which Very I had, scared. I hadn't even heard of Very necklacing. Scared. Is when you fill. A truck tire with gasoline, and then you slide it around a person's body and set it on fire and watch them burn to death. Um, so they have to be like proportionally where the tire would
1: cinch around their body. Well, it can't be. Yeah, so it doesn't work on so fat a, people. It has to be a fat person, or just fat enough, like Winnie the Pooh. Well, there are, it has to so there are the sizes Pooh. of tires. Well, if imagine you're super thin and the tire just goes right.
0: That's true. Well, that's why you should. everybody should be skinny.
1: <laughs> 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 guys, I don't look, need a body shame, guys. but you don't want to get a necklace. <laughs> guys, you don't want to be necklace. <laughs> now, wait. Actually, they probably put it around their
0: neck. I get it now. Necklacing. No, they squeeze it around your arms. Okay. Yeah.
1: Damn. That's fucking awful, man. Dude. Yeah, so like, keep in mind- You know, apartheid was
0: bad, but at least we got Trevor Noah out of it. Thank you. That's what I always- You say. know what? That's what the whole thesis <laughs> statement of this entire thing was. Um- <laughs> At least we got the comedy stylings of
1: Trevor Noah. God, he's funny. <laughs>
0: Fuck. Love him. He's not bad, but, you know. No, he's not that bad. <laughs> not that great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think like when we're talking about him, it's good to remember that this entire time, this entire history you're hearing of him, every day he's watching people get brutally fucking murdered. Oh my God in front of each other like war traumatizing a lot of these people who should be on the same side too just fucking killing each other god, god. in brutal
1: awful ways this is so funny because I was just trying to watch a documentary the other day about uh, war journalism like I uh-huh. find it so fucking interesting and it really was like you know Edward R. Murrow and people like you know you could die and a lot of war journalists like your crew dies yeah it's kind of being asked do you are you comfortable possibly dying Yes, you know, and, and like, watching your friends die, and then like, sure enough, like you know, every news team like will lose
0: like a couple members. Man, it's you know, so in a conflict. It's and so it's, crazy, it's crazy that crazy. you bring that up because he, like, okay, by 1990, like I said, there was civil war between these revolutionary parties, and uh, it became really, really dangerous for solo photojournalists to go document these battles. Yeah, so he linked up with three other photojournalists. Um, Migos that were yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and so that was the Beatles. Um, they took their own photos. Some of them worked at the Weekly Mail, which was like at that point the now it's called Mail and Guardian, and and uh, uh, this guy Kevin Carter was one of the people that started the political photojournalism uh, department at. The Weekly Mail. Wow. Um, yeah, this guy's amazing. So he and a friend from there and then a couple freelance photojournalists linked up. And the four of them, their names were Kevin Carter, Ken Oosterbrook, uh, Kevin Marinovich, and Joao Silva. And they... So they ran around together photographing these atrocities and the, and the yeah. war. They became so good and so lauded. Their photos were so popular and in... The Weekly Mail so much and in other publications so much that uh people started calling them the Bang Bang Club. Huh. Yeah, that's the nickname. That for should their... be the
1: fucking movie, dude. No shit. Call it the Bang Bang Club.
0: There is a movie, Make a movie about, about him. Really? And it's like the I think it's called the Death of Kevin Carter. Oh, okay. And then something the Bang Bang Club. So oh, you're not wrong. Okay, dude. I'm not wrong.
1: <laughs> um, so you're saying I'm not wrong.
0: Your note. Just want to mark it down. No, you're so right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. I know that <laughs> I know let's this, write feeling. this down I, Hampton, I know how good that feels. I support. I was
1: I was, uh, I was thinking the other day. I don't know if it's a uh, too general, but I was like, like white guys saying, uh, "You're not wrong." Yeah, is our way of saying you're right. Yes, right. <laughs> like we can't just say you're right.
0: We go, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, you might as well say I'm more right. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong, but I want to be the one who's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, okay. So. The Bang Bang Club is getting really popular. Um, their photos are everywhere, and uh, they get they get really into smoking weed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now I like them even more. Yeah, so they're
0: like. Pot smoking renegade photojournalists. Fuck but, yeah. Yeah, you would, man. Who are like, like watching murder and death all the time. Yeah, I read that and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That's great. What's wrong with weed? And then the very <laughs> the very next thing is they started smoking this thing that people in South Africa called the white pipe. Oh which is not crack, it's not cocaine, and it's not uppers. It's the white pipe is weed it's mixed with a tranquilizer <laughs> called Mandrax. That Whoa. apparently when you smoke it, what it does is the mandrax hits you first. So you get like super fucking down or stoned really hard for like half an hour or an hour. Mm-hmm. And then you coast down in your weed high for a while. And they got really into that. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like sipping and lean. <laughs> like they just want to get like completely like just leave this out. world. Yeah, yeah. knocked out. I mean, it sounds like uh, what you're talking about, like he's really experiencing a lot of trauma yes seeing a lot of trauma experiencing it and also trying to like self medicate and get himself like you know stable right right he
0: he said he said when he first photographed necklacing oh my god he was like um he, he said in every that he was totally rocked by it and disgusted by what he saw and sort of disgusted with himself that he was there watching it but then the photos were released And the way that people reacted to it, Mm -hmm. it felt like people were sort of rallying behind it, and that was the moment that made him realize maybe he's doing good for the world, exposing atrocity. I
1: actually get like really weirdly sentimental or like emotional about like journalism because it's very, it's so important to like so important to like just have a functioning democracy or country. You have to be very informed, but like you know, you can look at the Vietnam War as kind of a turning point where it's like we started showing the atrocities, kind of. Happening and soldiers, uh, you know, caskets coming back, you know, yeah. in boxes and shit, and it, it changed the public discourse because that helps people actually have to face like the brutality. Yeah. That's the thing is like you can talk a bunch about like, well, we need to do this measure. We need to do that. You know, this is just the way it is with war, you know, or like we have to take right. over this country or do these things. But it's like if you're actually faced with the actual brutal images of people dying and stuff, it makes you like have to It, it forces you to humanity. care. Right. You have to like either become human or become a monster. And, you know, most people would rather choose human. Right. <laughs> Except for Frankenstein. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Except wow. for Booberry. <laughs> um,
0: so, okay, then we get to 1993. And uh, yeah, this is a year. This is a year before he died. 1993, he goes to Sudan. He takes that photo of the little girl with the vulture behind her. And okay, so the thing with the photo is. He was just sort of walking around trying to document this famine. He yeah. comes across this girl who's trying to get to this feeding center. And he just sees her. And so he kneels down to take a photo of her. And while he's kneeling down taking a photo of her, a vulture landed. Whoa. And he's like, oh, shit. Oh and so God. apparently he sat there. And this is the part that's that I think people buck on that are like, is it OK that he did this? Right. He apparently sat there for 20 minutes watching this girl hunched over, mm. unable to move, trying to get the trying, hoping the vulture would spread its wings so he could get yeah <laughs> trying to get the artful photo and that's funny like um you read <laughs> interviews with his friends and other photojournalists oh, at the time God. they're just like it's that's you,
1: that's the cum shot come exactly. on give no. me the money shot dude. but that's the thing come it's on, <laughs> spread the
0: wings what's weird about that is like sure yes that sucks that yeah, someone yeah. is like trying to get an artful shot but then if you think about it from the standpoint of the power of a photo, and how the more powerful of a photo, the more it affects people Absolutely. who see it. Absolutely, there are these interviews with his friends after he died, and, and pe- about people who criticized him, who were like, "No, this is the job, man. Also, you try to yeah. you try to frame up mm-hmm. there, man. I wish I remember the name of the dude. It was one of the guys in the Bang Bang Club who was like." Literally in this interview saying, yeah, it's fucked up, man. You see a car crash and then you try to frame up the body with the car, with the blood and try to get the right combination of angles and colors. Because the thing is, people are subconsciously affected by the artfulness of a photo and the artfulness makes them care about the atrocity more. And it's just like, shit. Yeah, I (laughs) mean, it's, it's, it's also like that's
1: his that's his job. But also like. He has been doing this for a while, so like watching atrocities and stuff, it's like trust that this guy kind of knows what he's doing at this point, you know. It's like, well, in this he's photo, like, didn't desensitize Shirley through all the things he's seen, so at this point, it's like he's trying to, like, tragedy is not new to him, and he's trying to, like bring light to it right you know what I mean it's like you might have that reaction as somebody who's never been faced with this stuff before but it's not that simple but it takes somebody who's done that yeah it takes somebody who's been through all that shit to make that kind of photo right you know it took all that shit to get him there
0: basically and then he did help the girl and it's funny like they found the girl's father at Mm -hmm. some like in the uh, 2000 teens and uh the the guy was like um yeah, basically said, I'm glad he took the photo. Um, she went on to live until 2007 when she died of, quote, fevers. Okay. Um, oh, also, that was a boy. That was my son.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is that how yeah. real? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, wow. <laughs> the fucking smoking gun there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Bury the lead. Totally. Holy shit. So, okay. Um, He, at this point, in order to go to the Sudan to photograph the famine, he had to take time off from the Weekly Mail, who was his boss at the point. So he went freelance, and those photos were freelance. He didn't have to give them to the Weekly Mail. And the New York Times ended up buying that photo. And apparently it was like one of the most responded-to photos they ever posted. Mm. Um, People calling and writing letters asking how the girl is doing, uh, what happened to her, and things like that. He immediately became famous amongst journalists for the photo and all his friends were complimenting him on it, right? Mm. Uh, so he quits the weekly mail. He goes freelance. Uh, he's freelanced for a while and then eventually signs with Reuters for a weekly stipend. He basically has a first look deal with them. Yeah, he's like yeah. doing really well and now he can freelance, yeah. Totally. Yeah. But they pay him like $2,000 a week so they get to pick out of the photos first, right? Mm. Um, so then in March... Of 1994 his it's so weird man like you this guy's already had a crazy life right yeah and then his life multiplies in insanity like a hundredfold so like hmm. from March to April of 1994 the amount of things that happened to him I can't even imagine what this would do to a person's brain so March 11th 1994. He's, like, in the middle of a firefight between policemen and some right-wingers. Uh, the policemen win the firefight, and the people they don't kill, they just, like, stand them up and fucking execute them right in front oh of this dude. Oh he's, God. like, feet from them, and they don't kill him because he's a journalist. Oh they just God. fucking shoot these guys right in front of him. Holy shit. And it destroys his brain. He just, like, That's can't handle it, and he starts awful. smoking the white pipe all the time. Oh my God then that really does sound like sucking. Dick. That's March 11th, 1994, <laughs> April 12th, 1994, he finds out he's winning a Pulitzer the New York Times calls him, almost uh, exactly a month later. So huge down, big up. Yeah, New York Times calls him, tells him you're winning a Pulitzer. Oh and then like a few days after that, Ken Oosterbrook, his, his best friend in the world gets killed. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. This all happens in like a Is month and journalism? a half. Yeah, he's like for some reason um <clears throat> Kevin I keep wanting to say Ken because his friend's name is Ken, but right. Kevin. Um, Kevin Carter, His uh, he for some reason couldn't go on this trip to whatever right, yeah. fight this was. Oh, and Ken gets shot, and in an interview, Kevin, uh, not an interview, Kevin told his friends, quote, I should have taken the bullet. Oh, no. Yeah, man, so he's, like, fucked up at this yeah, point.
1: Yeah, at that point, he's really... Um, Self-loathing.
0: And so, like, yeah, sure, he watched sure. some people die. His best friend dies. He finds out he's winning a Pulitzer. And then when he wins the Pulitzer, this photo is brought back into the public eye. And then, and you know, it's being talked about as the best photo ever taken. Gotcha. So gotcha. all these photojournalists that are not tied to him just start talking shit. The entire oh South God. African journalist community is calling it a fluke that he won a Pulitzer. Literally the St. Petersburg... Wow. Is it the St. Petersburg Times? Yeah, the St. Petersburg Times out of Florida called him another vulture for fuck yeah, you. Yeah, fuck you. You're in fuck you, Florida. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> shut the fuck. What up. have you done, St. Petersburg? Except like oh, for man. steal
1: your name from Russia,
0: <laughs> dude. I drove me fucking insane when I wrote that. When I read that, so, What, you wrote and read it? No, just I right. wrote it, I'm, dude. Shut yeah, up. I'm in Florida I'm right now. Um, um, God. So, yeah, his friend dies, he watches people get executed, starts doing more drugs. Uh, he, um, He, like, one day, he... I forget where he was. He was somewhere in South Africa covering something and uh, he crashed his car into a suburban house and ended up in jail for 10 hours. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. only 10
1: hours? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Again, <laughs> <laughs> at least
1: you're not know a black fella. <laughs> oh, we'd have to shoot you on the street just just to look at you. <laughs> no, no, drive through the house. Where's drive your Facebook? Through. Where's your Facebook? Ah, oh, I'm
0: just kidding. Get out of here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, feel um,
0: free to back up through the kitchen. Come on, we'll get you to jail. Uh, and a, So that happens, and... Um, his... Jesus Christ His boss at Reuters Is super pissed at him For doing that One because it makes Them look bad But two because His photos from the day Are at the jail So they have to drive To this town To the jail To get the photos That are supposed to go In the paper the next day Ah. And then his girlfriend Who he's been dating For a year uh, Leaves him Because she's like You do too many drugs Also he has a Six year old daughter Out of wedlock At this point Because he never got married And he just like Fucked a bunch of people And uh But uh, He's Indiana Jones. But he also apparently was crazy (laughs) about his daughter. Like When he watched the people get murdered, people get executed, one of the things he told his friends was like, yeah, when it happened, all I wanted to do was hug my daughter. It was horrifying. Um, Oh, my Lord. Oh, no, that was about the... I'm sorry. That was about when he took the photo in Sudan. I like was just looking at this little girl, and I just wanted to hug my daughter. Oh, my God. Okay, so all of that happens in the span of a month and a half. He goes to New York to receive his Pulitzer, and so he's at these, like... Black tie, white tie galas with everyone kissing his ass, telling him he's the best thing to happen to photojournalism. People walking up to him in restaurants asking him for his autograph. Women flocking to him and trying to fuck him. And meanwhile, he's winning this award for having been in the middle of, like, genocide over racism in the government, and they're just like, you're great. Yeah, yeah. So when he killed
1: himself- Isn't it great? Apartheid's so
0: great. The way you cover all that genocide, you're so cool. I want to suck your dick. And he's like, god damn it. I'm sure, man, I would imagine at least a couple times he just looked someone right in the eyes and was like, I watch five people get murdered. And they're like, uh, Backing into the bushes. Um, So- Like, that's his life at this current moment. When he committed suicide, there were a bunch of people. And we talk about this phenomenon on this podcast a lot. There were a bunch of people that were like, yeah, he couldn't handle the fame. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's not reductive at all. Um, He was totally fine. And then he got famous and he was like, fuck this. Oh,
1: I see. He got those stars in his
0: eyes.
1: (laughs) He was a baby. Dude. Um, that's fucking hysterical that people would think that. I mean, like, this guy sounds like he's had, like, s- I don't know. It's also Maybe the most overwhelming life possible. You know what's also <laughs> interesting is, like, we've talked about people who have suffered, like, incredible trauma or experienced or been around great trauma, but he's somebody who actually threw himself yeah. into the trauma. Yeah. He, from an early age, is engaging with this and wants to confront it head on. Right. So I don't know. I mean, but at a certain point, it's like if you're destroying yourself through drugs and through self-hate and not, you know,
0: engaging in healthy relationships, you're right.
1: going, it's going to just blow up in your face. Right. It's like, know? yeah,
0: the thing he chose it's was so, difficult to yeah. manage. and But then the things he chose to manage it made it worse it's over time. It's a
1: noble thing to do. But it's like, yeah, if, you, if the way
0: you're dealing with it is to, like, you know, kill yourself, basically. Right. You know, what, you know, what are you going to do? So, July 7th, I'm sorry, July 27th, 1994, he apparently had like a pretty calm day. He drove to the Weekly Mail to drop off photos. And then he went to his best friend Ken's widow's house Mm. and just like vented to her about how he was feeling, how sad he was. And she is like just three months deep into mourning for her husband. Uh, Then he drives to that river in Parkmore and commits suicide. And he left a note in his car, and I'm so pissed. I tried forever to find the note. I could only find excerpts. That's fine. Um, yeah. But here, um, here's what I found of a suicide note. It says, "I'm really, really sorry. The pain of life overrides the joy to the point that joy does not exist. Depressed, without phone, money for rent, money for child support, money for debts, money with three exclamation points." Hmm. I'm haunted by the vivid memories of killings and corpses and anger and pain, of starving or wounded children, of trigger happy madmen, often police, of killer executioners. I have gone to join Ken if I am that lucky. Wow. Yeah. Aww. I know, that's man. So sad. Like such a valiant <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's person. Bad, man. Wow. And it, it just. And just got to him.
1: I don't know, dude. I like Sam Kinison's take on Africa. You know? you know? Why don't
0: you move to where the food is, you dumb
1: jerks? Get out of there. Just go to where there's a burger, you piece of fucking
0: shit. What a fuck, that guy. Uh,
1: man, dude, that was amazing. I mean, um,
0: any thoughts? I mean, I feel like we kind of covered it. Yeah, we covered I mean, it, like- man. I uh, It's a... It's just tragic. I mean, it's the. It's weird because it's it's similar to other stories we've told in that like, no matter what, any suicide story involves depression and anxiety always. But this the way that this story is different is that like he, I, I mean, there's so, he just experienced so much outside pressure and the fact that he put himself through it like almost no human being would put themselves through that much yeah. anguish yeah but he like seems like he felt like it was his calling like I, he had to well
1: i feel like for people you know who listen to us and sometimes they write and I, you know a common thing is dealing with ptsd and dealing with like trauma and like experiencing yeah. like horrific events sort of thing and like something is that's that's really necessary is you just have to Take the time to deal with it.
0: You have to take care A- of yourself. A- you know, I was yeah. talking to someone the other day about they're uh, married to someone who is uh, big with the DSA and big in activism hmm. uh, in LA. Hmm. And they were saying that their husband is like ta- has to take months long breaks yeah. from activism to sort of like relieve stress yeah. and calm down and feel okay and whenever they do that there's a certain amount of the activist community that's like oh he's taking a break he doesn't care <laughs> but here's the thing that made me think like first of all good on him for knowing that he has to stay mentally healthy in order to yeah. do this it's
1: because he cares
0: it's because he cares yeah. he'll kill himself if the stress never ends yeah, that's yeah. what will happen and I I hope that we I mean that's the reason you have that you work with people That way, like, if you need to take a month break because this shit is driving you crazy, first of all, you're not going to be very good at helping people if you're going crazy yourself. And secondly, you have these people around you to sort of pick up the torch while you're gone, and then you come back and they can take a break. And we could all help each other help each other, right? Yeah. And I hope that we can change the culture around that and say to each other, like, yes, you do need a break. We'll take care of it. You come back. You tag me out. In whatever you're doing. Dave, I need a break from the podcast. Okay, great. I got to go record
1: an album in Chicago. August 31st and
0: September 1st. <laughs> just pro- run wrong? out the door. There's a U-shaped hole in the wall. <laughs> I, uh, why does it look like the Kool-Aid Man? Weird. Hampton-shaped weird.
1: <laughs> well, dude, that was fantastic. Thanks, man. That uh, was fun. I love that story. Uh, guys, uh,
0: thanks for listening. We really appreciate you. You guys are the best uh, fans. Yeah, you're so good, man. Uh and also, thank you all who have signed up for the Patreon. I hope you continue to sign up. Patreon.com yeah. slash suicide buddies.
1: Yeah, good. I, I want to actually...
0: I realize we maybe don't
1: explain the Patreon. We do, like, basically... Almost like it's like fantasy football yes. when we do the Patreon. Because we like usually talk about like some sort of fictional suicide, and it gives us more a chance to just have a v- looser, more fun uh, Yeah, it's funny. We, uh, Anthony and I episode. just realized,
0: I don't think we even say on the regular podcast that we do bonus episodes. <laughs> but yeah, we do like 30-minute to an hour-long bonus episodes twice a month at least, sometimes more. And also we make like... Uh, stupid ringtones oh, yeah. that sound like oh, yeah. radio to, I'm shit I'm put one up. Yeah. and Dave actually just put up a new tier of uh, Patreon
1: subscriber uh, for the Saudi princes and uh, check out what he wrote it's really funny <laughs> so just check out patreon.com slash suicide buddies uh,
0: yeah we don't have a bonus episode thanks. this week um, but we check. have a bonus episode coming out next week and uh, some more shit also cool thanks for listening guys yeah see you next time appreciate it
1: Ooh, that was an episode of Suicide Buddies. Ooh, it is rough. I know we got a little deep. We got a little dank. We got a little bit of dark. And we just want you to know, Dave and I, that we don't really take this that lightly. We realize that a lot of people are struggling out there. And we want you to know that if you are dealing with these dark thoughts right now, it would be great if you could call the national suicide prevention lifeline it's at 1-800-273-8255 that's 1-800-273-TALK and they have the resources to help you deal with this in a little bit more of a medically professional way so we would appreciate that and we're happy that you're with us thanks for listening